My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. And they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to them in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, What sort of things? They said to them, The things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him and all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they found gathered together the eleven and those with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. What are you afraid of? One of my greatest fears has been traveling by airplane. Until my senior year of college, I had only been on a plane once when I was in kindergarten, which I barely remembered, 
my senior year of college, one of my best friends who had moved to Virginia was graduating from Paris Island after completing boot camp for the United States Marine Corps. And the only way I could attend his celebration and then be on time for the start of the new academic year was to fly down. And going down was terrific. 45 minutes in the air, it was a smooth flight, it was the greatest, and it was definitely beating an eight-hour car ride. Coming home, that was a whole different story. I'll spare you the details, but suffice it to say that when we landed, I swore I would never get on an airplane again, which I didn't for nearly 15 years. I'm embarrassed to even think about the number of opportunities I wouldn't even consider because they involved air travel. And I only broke the 15-year drought kind of by accident. It was my first year working with college students and some of the focused missionaries who work at Seton Hall University had invited me and our students to join them for this national conference that was taking place at Christmas. Only after working hard to get our students all pumped and excited about this event and consider going and signing up and registering for it, did I realize it involved air travel. When the organizers of the trip started going over all the details, they mentioned that when we needed to be at the airport. And I said, wait, we're flying there? Mind you, the there being Dallas, Texas. And one of my best friends, Father Bill Sheridan, who was there with students from Ramapo, started laughing, knowing how many times I wouldn't even think about going on vacation to the tropics during the winter, opting for the Jersey Shore in the wonderful 10-degree weather. He said, oh, this should be interesting and amusing. I was honestly terrified about flying, to the point that I insisted to the organizers as they were arranging flights that all of us, meaning the students from Montclair State and I, needed to be on the same flight together. Because if their plane crashed and I was on the other plane and survived, I didn't want to face their parents. Or if my plane crashed and they survived, well, I don't know, I was assuming they'd feel bad or maybe have survivor's guilt. I just didn't want that to happen. And I remember the missionary looking at me like I was utterly insane, saying, you really think those are the only two options, that someone's plane is going down? And I realized how ludicrous it sounds now. I had allowed one rough flight when I was about 20 years old to impact me so pretty profoundly and convince me into some incredibly irrational thinking. Fear is a potent human emotion. At that point, I just wanted to numb the fear, to get this trip over and hoped never to have to do it again, which is what I did. And this is why I think many of us in our day and age are convinced is the only way and the only answer whenever we encounter any fear. It's why we see a real pandemic of depression and abuse of alcohol and drugs, especially with the insanity of decriminalizing more and more drugs. Instead of simply trying to eliminate fear, we should ask ourselves, what are you afraid of? And to be honest with ourselves, and more importantly with God, God loves us. He's gone to hell and back, dying on a cross and rising from the dead for you and me to prove once again, after doing so countless times and ways, that he loves us. And he's constantly calling us to himself to trust him and to love him. And if we're honest with ourselves and him, he can meet us even in our fear to help make, draw us closer to himself. Look at these scripture readings tonight. 
This story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus is packed with all kinds of details as they meet Jesus risen from the dead on Easter Sunday night. That they were shattered and devastated by what had happened to Jesus on Good Friday is entirely understandable. As is that they felt guilt and shame that they had abandoned Jesus in his hour of need. These initial hours and days of Good Friday and Holy Saturday, as Jesus was lying in a tomb, for many were when they experienced the entire range of human emotions. Some, like the remaining 11 apostles, would hide and lock themselves away in rooms. Some, like Mary Magdalene, would be consumed with grief, but her love for Jesus would override whatever fear she might have had as she goes to the tomb to mourn which would result in her becoming the apostle to the apostles as she tells them the news of the empty tomb and is the first to encounter the risen Christ. But Cleopas and this other disciple who remains unnamed, what's always fascinating to me is this is after all that. This is after they hear the news of the resurrection. After they hear the report that the tomb was empty and there were visions of angels announcing he was alive, After multiple accounts verify that, it's then that they decide to leave. Their fear was greater than their faith, which is why this gospel is essential for all of us who sometimes struggle with that same reality. Because look at what Jesus does. Here it is, Easter Sunday. He's just risen from the dead. Like I said last Sunday, if it were me, I'd like to pop in on Pontius Pilate and Caiaphas or some of those loud voices who were shouting crucify him on Good Friday. The Italian in me would just kind of like to go wreck their worlds a little bit. But thankfully, Jesus is more interested not in getting even, but in calling people into a deeper faith in him, which is the whole point, the passion, death, and resurrection. So he comes upon these two as they're walking. He asks them a question that stops them in their tracks, basically, What's been going on? And then he listens as they tell Jesus what happened to him. Probably missing a few details. Their fear made the resurrection seem too good to be true. Their fear blinded them from even seeing Jesus in their midst. Their fear made them forget all the ways that God had shown up before, confounding any and every human expectation. As Cleopas and the other disciple continue to be honest about their feelings with themselves and with the stranger, Jesus helps them remember. Remember all that God has said. Remember all that Jesus had done. There's then a a shift in their minds and hearts where faith begins to rise and fear starts to recede. They then want more. Stay with us. They beg Jesus. As Jesus enters this place that they're staying, what does Jesus do? He celebrates Mass with them. He's opened the scriptures. He breaks the bread. And then he vanished from their sight. I remember one friend saying how they had always found that point frustrating. Couldn't Jesus have stayed with them a little longer just to celebrate? But that's the point. (laughs) Now that Jesus had restored the eyes of their hearts, Their faith has been rekindled, and they recognize Jesus is real and present in the Word and in the Eucharist. Jesus is moving these first disciples into the age of the church that we're living in, who encounter Jesus the same way, 
in the Word and in the Eucharist. What are you afraid of? There's nothing wrong with having fears. And it's not that there aren't things to be afraid of. But these scriptures in this Mass, Jesus is asking us to go deeper and to evaluate these things, how they affect us and how we should respond to them. When I finally faced my fear of flying, I realized it wasn't a rational thing. And remembering that fear is not a bad thing. For example, instinctual fear is a good radar for us when we encounter danger, like if you're hiking and you meet a wild animal or you are waking to smoke or a fire alarm. My fear of flying boiled down not to that, but to two things. First, I didn't like my lack of control in that situation. But the more significant thing was the fear of dying. And I recognized how many times I yielded to that or inhibited myself because of that or beat myself up about it and was frustrated with myself to the point of simply wanting to eliminate the fear. But when I got to those roots and remembered, oh yeah, I'm a Catholic priest who's supposed to surrender myself to God every day and in every way and never to lose sight that this earthly life is temporary, it is limited, and I'm supposed to be living for heaven, That's when I was able to start to see a shift in my own thinking. I remember thinking, why am I not this afraid of disappointing God? Why am I not this afraid of taking him for granted, which I do way too often? Why am I not this afraid of being separated from God? And not simply cowering in fear, but then letting that cause me to go deeper in my prayer, in my need for confession in the sacraments, and striving to be holy each and every day, not presuming a tomorrow. St. Peter is an excellent example of someone who made a, a similar and even more profound transformation that we can relate to. When the crowds had asked Peter during the Passion, aren't you with Jesus? His fear got the best of him, and he denied Christ. Now in the first reading that we heard tonight, He goes to the crowds and boldly testifies to them, this man you killed, using lawless men to crucify him. He's so bold and convicted in his preaching that in the verses after, we hear that day over 3,000 people converted. Peter then tells us in the second reading what we are to do. Conduct yourselves with reverence during the time of your sojourning, realizing that you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. Translators kind of like that word reverence, or sometimes they'll use the word awe, but there's another word that you can use in that spot, and it's fear. And I kind of like it in that instance. Conduct yourselves with fear during your sojourning, realizing you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. Not some irrational fear because of his greatness, but the opposite of that realizing the only fear we should have is ever being apart from him. I still hate flying. Just a few months ago, I was traveling from Atlanta back to Newark after a wedding. Some of those knots in my stomach were still there. I still felt tense. But I know I must remember God's in charge and that I need to trust him more than my fears. And one way I was doing that on that trip was I was praying the rosary. And a fellow passenger sitting nearby leaned over and laughingly said to me, got to tell you, seeing a priest praying the rosary on a plane is kind of scaring me. (laughs) I just smiled and said, 
You should give it a try then.